the bliss gives you something to have faith in, but the darkness, it gives you, it, it pushes you into the, into the wisdom, I guess, because you see that this suffering is all because of you. It's all because of you. So when you're feeling the suffering and this pain, you're like, fuck, this is all me. Like I've, I have the power to change this because I'm the one that did this. I was like, I wonder if people were wondering why I'm just sitting out on my stoop. But then I was like, there's nothing wrong with sitting out on my stoop. I'm gonna sit out here. And then, um, and then I went up into the park, and I was looking at the trees and stuff. And I was just like, why the fuck am I not out here all the time? This place is great. Fuck being inside. I was like, I got a laptop. I should just be doing all my laptop shit outside, which I haven't done. So I feel kind of bad about that. But uh, not bad about it. But I gotta actually do it. But uh. It was just the most peace I'd felt in a while where I just kind of was like, yeah, man, this is this is kind of how I felt as a kid, which is why it I feel like uh, a lot of the stuff that I've experienced in my life is kind of like a blessing in a lot of ways, like all the anxiety and all the crazy situations that led to the anxiety, because it does sort of push you. Like you said, with the dark times, they kind of push you towards something depending on how you deal with it. Like if you just kind of blame other people consistently, or yourself, it's gonna be kind of, or yourself. Yeah, I guess that's true. I can't really blame myself too much either. It's just sort of like, wow, that shit's crazy. Yeah, because the thing about yourself is that you're not clear on who yourself actually is. So if you blame yourself, yeah. you're blaming some shit that who who knows if that's yourself or not. Hmm. And then you feel bad because it's your fault, but is it really your fault? Because what are you actually doing? Welcome to Conversations for Our Grandkids. I'm recording a podcast. That's what I'm doing, Adam. Touche, you son of a bitch. Gotcha. It's uh, it's me. Oh, yeah. Dude, the crowd's going wild right now. They love me. I'm the, I'm the hometown hero. People's champ, if I may. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's me, Seamus Millar, uh, a.k.a. Well, millionaire boy on Twitter. You can, <laughs> you can, you can follow me at a underscore cool underscore million, <laughs> and make sure to do it because I'm tweeting at celebrities for a million dollars, and I need your help. <laughs> I do. I need all I need is one celebrity to retweet me, man, and then I'm golden. I'm fucking golden. That's all it is. I just need somebody to think that my insults are funny enough to retweet it once. And boom, booyah, bitch. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man. That's what I've been doing all week. Fucking <laughs> harassing celebrities on Twitter. I had this great idea where I was like, let me just ask them for money. Because maybe somebody will just be like, all right, that's stupid. I mean, didn't they used to give uh, money to like, oh, this sandwich looks like Jesus. It raised $10 million. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Come on. 
Come on, Prince. Where's my money? Am I in your will or not? Let's go. Who the who the fuck is Frankie Munez to not respond to me? <laughs> fuck that guy, Frankie. Me. He thinks he's better than me. <laughs> what has he been? Fuck in Frankie lately? Munez. Nothing. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting on his piles of cash, not sending Yo, me. Yo, Frankie any. Munez, you want to be back in the limelight, back in the fucking as a household name? Donate a million. Make dollars. me a meme, dude. Exactly. Donate a million me a dollars meme. to Millionaire Boy. That's A underscore million underscore. Oh, no. A underscore cool underscore million. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a cool. I'm just looking for a cool just, million. Just a That's cool million. I mean, is that so Look, much I don't, to ask? The fuck? Bill Gates. Bill Gates, richest man in the world. Actually, no, you know not, what, though? He's not. Is he no, not anymore? A Mexican dude is the uh, richest man in the world. Mm. He owns uh, a, a, a cell phone company in Mexico. That's like the biggest cell phone company. And he's worth like couple billion more than bill gates weird i bet do you think they're like flip phones too probably right it's probably like he's just a billionaire because he's profiting yeah, off of like I would, I would guess so the Mexican he's like down cartels. in brazil with where they just came out with the n64 like last week and they're like yo this is crazy <laughs> or the cartels who are like hey we need like a million burner phones and uh we don't, oh, we don't care if they're smart damn. phones or not we just need a million burner phones <laughs> damn mexico what what's the up? fuck what's up juarez <laughs> What's he gonna do when we build that wall, man? <laughs> What's he gonna do See, when we cut off his whole it. business? It's, no matter what wall you build, it's the cartels who are gonna find a way across it anyway. They'll pay the right people. They'll they'll find the right spot. It's the poor people who just want to work in America who are the ones that won't be able to make it. <clears throat> Those are the people. Honestly, honestly though, even even if they build a fucking wall on. I think people were resourceful enough to jump over walls. They've been doing it for like thousands of years now. Like that's that's your solution. There are already walls like at certain parts of Mexico, and they fucking don't work. They shit gets crazy. Like I watched this thing in VR the other day on Google Cardboard that New York Times did about. Um, so it's on the border of Arizona, I think. There's like a, a fence between this Mexican town and this you know, uh, town in the United States. And what the narcos do to distract the cops, which is super low rent, is they just throw rocks. Right, and the, the cops are like, "Whoa, I'm so distracted!" And then the fucking drugs get across the border. What the fuck? But the crazy thing is this: so this kid gets shot on the Mexican side because the guy claimed that he was throwing rocks. But the interesting thing now, this is the big thing with VR. I think it's gonna change. It's gonna be like, fuck, man. It's gonna change the game for like news reporting and shit. There's gonna be no or a lot less room for uncertainty, especially when you start to get the spatial awareness of these these places. Um, because they were like, yeah, if he threw the rocks, he must have had a crazy arm because look at this fucking fence and you go down to the place where he was shot and you look up and it's like 50, 60 feet in the air and you're like, oh, no fucking way, this kid. No fucking way. He was throwing it all the way over that thing. You know what I mean? It's insane. So what do you think actually happened? I think the cop got a little overzealous and probably thought that the kid was a narco, but... Like, I don't think he's just out there shooting random kids, but they did an investigation. I think that guy was fired or let go or something because of some shit. There's, like, a lawsuit going on, which is, like, the first lawsuit uh, that's over the border or something like that. Some some crazy thing. Like, this is the f most unprecedented situation. I don't know. But it was interesting to see, uh, to just see the space in which this event took place. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I was in Mexico for a minute. Illegally, allegedly, <laughs> uh, I was well, in I Texas in uh, uh, Sanderson, Texas. It's pretty close to the border, and we went to this national park called Big Bend, 
and you look at it on a map and you're like, oh, like, what is this, like Fam Fairmount Park in Philly? Like, it looks about, you know, the same kind of, nope, it's enormous, dude. It's fucking enormous. It took us two hours to drive through it, like a straight shot through the park um, to the border. And so we were just like fucking around at the border at the Rio Grande and I waited, it's really shallow at the part, part we were at. So I waited across to Mexico and waited back just for the fuck of it. And I had this really crazy sense of like, there was no fence or anything. It's just the fucking river and it's not that deep. And you get the sense like, fuck man, there's literally no difference between Mexico and Texas except what humans decide, mm, this is where my land ends and that's where your land starts. And if you step over this line, motherfucker, I'm gonna come after you. But if you're there, if you didn't know that the line was there, there would literally be no way for you to tell. No way. Allegedly. Man, that's crazy. I, I, I think I, I think I had that realization, but in a much safer place. I was in uh, on the border of Canada, so <laughs> I was a lot more like a lot more relaxed. Uh Niagara? Well, no, we went to Niagara Falls. Yeah. yeah, Niagara Falls. And I was like looking over. I, I went on the American side because I didn't have my passport at the time. So I had to go on the. But if you go on the Maid of the Mist, it's the same thing where it's this big boat that takes you like sort of where the waterfall is. And like uh, they give you these ponchos and stuff. So you're essentially seeing it from the Canadian side, even though you're in America. I don't know how that works. I was in I was in undocumented waters or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> International waters. Yeah, dude, if you should have seen what was going on in that secret room. <laughs> I bought a pound of Coke for $4. <laughs> I had to do it before I got off the boat, but it was a great day. Uh, Niagara Falls is one of my uh, family's classic trips. We went there like a couple times. Every uh, every couple of years, we try to make it down to, uh, or used to, try to make it down to Niagara Falls. It's a good spot, man. I like it. It gives you a, well, hmm, I can't even say that because the last time we went, what I was going to say was that it gives you a sense of the power of nature. But to me... If you look at Niagara Falls and like the Hoover Dam, there's something very similar about them because humans have just, they've just put their fucking fingerprint on everything. You know, you go to Niagara Falls and you're like, oh, look at this Hell great yeah. majestic huge waterfall that nature just fucking carved out of nothing. And then you've got, you know, exit through the gift shop at every fucking quarter mile. It's like, ah, fuck, you know, come on. The only way you get to see it from the fucking water is if you're on the Maid of the Mist and you pay your $20 fucking ticket. You know what I mean? That shit really bothers me. There's no way to really... I think it was like the seventh wonder of the world for a while, Niagara Falls. And there's no way to experience it anymore except if you get like a shitty angle because you didn't pay. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you can't really charge for nature. It's just a fucking waterfall. You can, though. It's called ecotourism. Ecotourism. Ugh. Yep. Ugh. Yep, I call it eco-terrorism. <laughs> That's what I call it. That's fucking disgusting, dude. A lady went down that thing in a barrel. You're telling me I can't look at it? No, nah, it's 50 bucks. Yeah. Fuck but off. At the same time, if nobody pays that ticket, nobody, there's no incentive to keep it around. They shut down the waterfall. Yeah. The fuck are you damn, dude? Have you ever heard of dams? Oh no. They're like, we're not making enough money, so we're gonna we're gonna build a dam to ruin this waterfall. Would they no, do that? Have if they're not making that? enough money selling tickets for people to go on the fucking boat to just look at the waterfall, they put a dam a quarter mile upstream where the water is really powerful and they make the money making electricity instead of in the tickets. Uh, it's the same I it's see. a similar thing that what's happening in Africa in certain uh, like wildlife spots where hunters pay twenty to fifty thousand dollars to shoot like an elephant 
or a, a rhino or an or a lion, but that fifty thousand dollars goes to the village to keep the elephants and rhinos and and whatever alive. So if the hunters don't pay that fifty thousand dollars to kill one animal, twenty or thirty thousand animals could possibly go extinct. I just love the hypothetical situation of them shutting down Niagara Falls. They're like, wrap it up, boys. This is it. And they just like the guy, like he turns this, he turns a drain or something. He turns like a faucet and the whole waterfall just turns off. <laughs> oh, God. Speaking of wonders of the world, rest in peace to my man, China. I'm going to say woman in quotation marks, the ninth wonder you, of the dude. world. She's dead. My mom does not believe that she's a woman still to this day. Even the, even though I remember when we were, I was a kid, they came out with uh, China was in Playboy. China, if you guys don't know, is a, a professional wrestler who just died, but she was this big, like beefy ass chick, beefy as fuck. Uh, I think she was probably on steroids or something too, because like I don't know, she looked like one of those like really intense female bodybuilders, where. <laughs> I, I guess that's Dude, it. If feminists but, uh, were listening to this right now, you would you would be in so much hot water. Luckily, we have the best uh, fans alive. Shout out to you, Fallon. Oh, Shout out to you, Hot Danielle. water? Because their waters were breaking? Because they're so... Oh, get it, dude. Wow. They're Are so, you on yeah, your periods, got ladies? Got Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get off the rag and let me talk about China, this man-woman. Uh, but Shame, China... You crack me up, though, on a side note. You uh, you have these very <sighs> liberal views, but then every now and then you'll like pull out like a grandpa out of your back pocket and be like, yeah... What's up with these ladies with the big muscles? Like, well, what did you expect? It's 2016, you fucking idiot. Like, it wasn't 2016. It was like 1996, dude. Leave me alone. Well, that's why she was such a fucking star. But nowadays, like, how could you not have come around on that idea? You're still like, no, no, it's not right, bro. She's got muscles and she's a lady. That's not how it's supposed to work. No, I'm fucking around, man. I'm just saying my mom still doesn't believe because I remember uh, my aunt got the Playboy and for some reason we were allowed to look at it because it was this big cultural phenomenon. So it was like me and my cousin looking at this Playboy and my mom was looking at the pictures and she was like, nope, I still don't believe it. Just looking straight at her <laughs> like, foot, like, no, like they, no, that doesn't look like a pussy like, as I know them. Why are these pictures only from the waist up? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she have a sex tape too? Yeah, she did. One Night in China, and she did the sex tape with X-Pac. Check it out. Oh, she also did another one where she played uh, She-Hulk, where she was all in green paint. That's cool. That's yeah. a good Definitely look into that. Not you, grandkids, but the... Uh, well, it depends how old you are. If you're like fucking 20-something, go for it. But if you're like nine, and somehow your parents got confused and started playing these conversations for you, I don't I don't know. It's just, don't, don't it's just the up. human body, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Imagine I'm changing, imagine I'm changing my whole that, stance yeah, exactly. on porn. <laughs> imagine you telling that to yourself when you were like 15. Oh, don't worry about it, bro. Like it's just a human body. 5 years later you're like, yeah. oh, I don't what the fuck did I do to myself? <laughs> no, I guess what I was trying to say about China's bodybuilding I didn't know how to phrase it, but it seems like there are different brackets of bodybuilders almost where she was like she looked like, I don't know, she was like one of the biggest strongest women I've ever seen in my life. She she was the only woman to win the Intercontinental Championship, man. She beat Chris Jericho for it. Damn. If only it was real. Now is that because there's a lack of women who are bodybuilders in that sense or is it because when you're on TV Men want to see women in bikinis and shit, and 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 women for you know, a, a some part of that. 
Yeah, I think everybody enjoys sort sort of like uh, the traditional. Like, I mean, people are always like, society's fucking judgment of beauty is so fucked up and blah blah blah. And I'm like, well, we are society, and you know, we like people who look genetically attractive. I don't know what to tell you. So like, well, I, I don't know. I, what what tells you that China isn't genetically attractive? That chin, dude. She got that shit removed real fast. <laughs> She actually looks dramatically different. Like, if you look at pictures of her from the beginning of her career to the end of her career, I think she she got a lot of like plastic surgery and but shit done to is, look more what feminine. What about China doesn't look genetically attractive to you, or what what you think is not genetically attractive? Because who says that a big, strong fucking woman isn't genetically attractive? No, I'm not saying that. But that is. What I'm just saying. saying oh, Jesus, you're really gonna fight me on everything today, Adam. Yep. I see you. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Because today's fucking Tuesday, dude. Why? Why you gotta call me a sexist? Today is bro? discrimination just... Tuesday because you are a little bit sexist. You just don't. You think you're very, very liberal and neutral, but you're really not. And it's okay. Like nobody is, but you have to at least acknowledge. Like, no, I am biased. Because that wage gap oh, yeah. thing, man. I was like, my dog. You have to at least admit that there's a wage gap. And you're like, well, it's not that there's a wage gap. It's just that it's not a problem. And I'm like, all right, whatever, dude. Whatever. In this case, no, I think I think you got really caught up on that. What I was trying to say was uh, like to say that there is a there, look, it's it exists. I can acknowledge that Finally, it exists. You can but acknowledge uh, that. Oh, yeah. You're so upset about that still. Jesus Christ. This guy's like a fucking he's like a wife. He's going to bring this up every five months or something. Well, remember when you brought up the wage gap and I'm like, Jesus, I didn't know you were upset with me. What the fuck? Holy shit. Um no, man, I, I, I guess I was saying that, like, I don't think I wasn't sure if it was indicative of a widespread discrimination or if it was based on choice. See, we're going to get back into it again. No, we're not. So just OK, good, because I'm not I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. Obviously, it exists because it's like it exists. But I'm, I was questioning whether or not it's because dudes are like, well, we're not going to pay a woman the same because we don't believe that should be the case. Or if it's because like these jobs that a lot of women take pay less and if there's a question about whether or not those jobs need to be paid more i think that needs to be addressed because i do think like teachers don't make enough i do think i don't know anything about like nurses and shit i don't know what they're doing day to day but i i i like i guess like are there a lot of there are a lot of male nurses though now so i wonder how how i'd have to look up the numbers but i'd say that there are the not demographics as many, of that not are as many male nurses but the question in this for today's conversation has to do with china <sighs> and why you would say that generally people prefer a genetically attractive person as and you use genetically attractive as an antithesis essentially to china's physical form no no i didn't i used that because of the comment you made about like chicks being in bikinis on tv and how women appreciate that as well as men so it's like the i guess the what i meant to say is that uh the traditional standards of beauty that like are often nowadays like we're gonna challenge them and think about them but there's kind of a there's a reason that people like that i don't think it's like as a way to oppress anybody necessarily it's just sort of like i don't know i don't know why i don't know why it is but i would assume it's like years of years of like Mm -hmm. lots of bullshit man i mean it's it's not to say you couldn't find china very attractive it's just it didn't really i think a lot of people did i think triple h was actually dating her for a while and then when he broke up with her and started dating stephanie mcmahon she fired china Damn. Damn, that's harsh. Let her down a road of drugs and porn. Stephanie McMahon killed China. Or set her career off in a new direction. (laughs) (laughs) The final direction. (laughs) I just think that people assume a lot of shit about 
how humans work based on their superficial observations about themselves and their superficial observations about their own society. You know, it's like, it's almost like people, you know, it's almost like they're saying, uh, well, at a genetic level, humans are more likely to like iPhones than Android phones. And it's like, well, if you're talking about genetics, let's, let's realize here that we're talking about something that was set up 50 to 100,000 years before the iPhone was even a thought in anyone's head. You know, so to say, to, to draw these things back to genetics, you, I, in my personal feeling is that you have to be very careful about what you're, what you're, what lines you're tracing back to genetics and, and what it means, you know, human nature, quote unquote, because people, they pour a lot of their own bullshit into the ideas of human nature and genetics and that, and evolution and that kind of shit. But no one's really being careful about uh, how they use it and what they mean. And it, it, on a personal level, it bothers me. So when I hear other people say things like that, um, I hear are off or maybe just um, assumptions, you know, uh, it, I feel like I need to say something. And 99% of the time I don't because I don't really talk to other people about things other than work because I don't talk to other people besides my coworkers, except for you, Seamus. And you're shaking your head now, but who the fuck am I so going to talk yell to? At me. It's a waste of time. You just yell at me all the time. Yeah, exactly. So now, Ugh. now what? So define what you mean by you know what do you think is the well? Human... I guess like traditionally, right? There's not there there weren't really like a lot of female weightlifters specifically. So when there were female Wh- body, when have there traditionally like been human weightlifters body... ever? That's what I'm saying. That's so what I'm women, saying. Yeah, man, you're even, saying women weightlifters. There have only been male weightlifters or, or uh, bodybuilders in the last however many hundreds of or thousands of years anyway. So, like, what about the last 200,000 years where humans were approximately genetically the same? The last few hundred thousand years. If you can show me trends that have been happening for that long or for 50,000 years, I'll agree with you that maybe there is something to that on a very gut nature well, that's kind of what I was actually going to say. I was going to say that because there were not weightlifters back then, uh, men were probably bigger than women generally, and the women were not like huge ripply muscles. They were probably like lean because we were all running from shit constantly. You know what I mean? So like I, I suppose like the stereotypical like definition of attractive female-ness is like thin but in shape, lean, and... Uh, what's the word when both sides of your faces look the same? Symmetrical. Sym- symmetrical yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, China was very symmetrical, so she probably has some pretty good gen- genetics. But, but, but why I would guess that be the, different the, the, for the, men? Men then, by that logic, men would also be lean, symmetrical, and toned. So then, why would uh, a Triple H be attractive? Because he, he's got an, like big, enormous, ripply muscles. So why would that even be attractive? If that's the logic, mm. I don't know, man. I I I, uh, I guess what I'm saying is that it is le- it was less appropriate for women to do that, even when even when weightlifting was sort of became a thing, right? When did it, it was sort a of thing? a dude thing. I don't know yeah, exactly. But so you can't last, say whether it was like two hundred years, three hundred years. You can't really say. 
you can't really say that it was a dude or a woman thing or that it, what women, maybe women were the first bodybuilders and men were like, fuck, those women are getting as big as us. That's fucking sexy, dude. Maybe I should start doing what they're doing. What are you doing? You're lifting trees? Oh, I'll lift trees. Maybe, oh, look at my muscles now. Now I'm the attractive one. Who knows, right? It could have happened in any way. And there, what I'm, all I'm trying to say is, all I'm trying to say, I'm not even disagreeing with you because at a genetic level and an evolutionary level, the, my instinct is also that the thinner... Uh, even more fatty, you know, not muscular, but fatty and thinner women were more attractive because that's that's what it feels like is true from everything I've learned. But all I'm trying to point out is that there are, that has so many layers of assumptions that people don't address. They just say, oh, what, what, what do you mean? Have you ever seen an attractive lady? She's usually this, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, you're just repeating the shit that you've seen and heard since you were born. And that's the thing, It it that is truth. You know, it is true that, so much of what you find attractive is just what people have told you you're supposed to think is attractive. So much of it. Um, and that's what the feminists and the fucking, you know, marginalized people who are being angry at the mainstream people, that's, they've picked up on this truth that what you're telling me is the norm or supposed to be or attractive or whatever is just what you have learned it to be. It could be something else. It could be anything else, but you're just... You just picked up on some shit that somebody else told you. And I think we we can't ignore that. We we can't ignore that that is uh that's that's a true thing. That you're it's just your conditioning that is telling you what's attractive and what's not. And there's genetic conditioning, there's social conditioning, there's, you know, your life history, you know, events that have happened in your life history. There's all sorts of history that's involved, but all it is is history because if nobody told you what's attractive and that you're, you know, certain things are supposed to be attractive, I don't think it would even be a thought in your head. I don't know, man. I all I'm trying to say is there's so many assumptions involved with saying that muscular women uh on a genetic level th- that they're the they're the abnormality. The normal thing is for women to be dainty and blah 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 because it, let's say we're in a society where it's like essentially every human for themselves, but if we work together, things work out a little bit better, right? Why the fuck would a dainty woman be attractive? That makes no sense. A woman that is strong, can handle her own, and can contribute to the society and to the family, that's an attractive woman in that situation. So where's this idea that women need to be skinny and dainty and, you know, <laughs> to be able to be attractive? Why is that attractive? That makes no sense. That only makes sense to me in recent human history where we've had societies where... Uh, the structure of society is providing for most people and therefore you have this freedom to choose. Well, now that everything's taken care of, now what's attractive? And then I can understand a dainty, specialized woman is attractive because it's like, well, I don't need a woman who's going to contribute. I need a, a, a weak woman who's going to listen to what I say. And so that becomes attractive. And over generations, it gets instilled into your genetics and your, your social structure that that's the quote unquote way it's supposed to be. And, you know, that's the uh, feminist argument, which partially I believe in because I just articulated it. But the point I'm trying to make at, at a deeper level is that there a lot people make a lot of assumptions about what they believe and they never really look into them. And it bothers me. And I never bring it up except now because you're my man and I can't let you just keep making assumptions. <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies. Am I sexist? You let me know. <laughs> Adam just went Adam just went fucking full fucking feminazi on me over here. Had to, dude. Had to. I'm kidding, man. I'm when kidding. I hear the no, oppressor I, I, speak, I, I have to do something. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's me. Hey, I'm just trying to keep... 
Look, I want to make sure that no black celebrity ever gets work ever. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> letting you know. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, is that That's what people really think? Like, people actually feel like? I saw a video like that where somebody was saying that about Beyonce today, where they were saying that people who like disagree with her tactics and shit are just trying to uh, keep their their motive of like uh, keeping the black person, keeping the black man down, basically. And I was like, all right, that's ridiculous to me. I mean, I understand the idea. Like, all right, so I had a I had an interesting situation happen to me the other day that was like, I was like, oh man, little this is a little lesson for me. Uh, I I got a text from my mother that was like, hey, uh, who is this? Because I took this phone or something like that. Like, I, like somebody found her phone somewhere, and one of the texts was just "you black?" question mark. And I was like, I don't know how to respond to this because. If I say white and it's a black guy, might not work out so well. <laughs> if I say black and it's a white guy, might not work out so well. So I just didn't respond. And I texted Adam and I was like, I get what it's like to be a mixed kid now. <laughs> Finally. All my life has been leading up to this moment. Uh, where there's no right choice. <laughs> no, you know what it is, man. I, I, I tend to just get caught up in the uh, arguments, like sort of the contrarian arguments a lot of the yeah. time. Because I grew up. No, you can't say that. Only I can say that. Um, <laughs> uh, I grew up like being being force fed a lot of this shit. That isn't necessarily wrong. Like a lot of these ideas about like equality and all, all that shit. But I've just sort of seen the people that are pushing it really hard, and I'm like, ugh, God, you're doing it. You're doing it with all the wrong intentions behind it, and it just makes it kind of disgusting to me. So I'm like, maybe there's something to be said for a lot of the like standard things that that have become you know, acceptable, accepted culture or whatever. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like maybe it's, maybe just because it's the popular thing doesn't mean it's something you have to necessarily reject. Yeah. I hear you on that. And I get caught in that for sure. And sometimes I hear myself and I'm like, ah, it's not really, that's not really what I'm arguing here. I'm just kind of arguing like maybe there's truth to some of the things that people say are like, you know, the oppressor speak essentially. And maybe there's truth to the people who question it. But a lot of the people I see questioning it, especially online and stuff, are just like doing it to promote themselves kind of or to make excuses for why they feel a certain way. And and that I, I hate. Yeah, <laughs> so I totally I get, hear you. I, I can hear the conundrum you're in. And the, the way that I see that is if you get stuck thinking that you're a person who needs to defend traditional beliefs because the people who are reacting against them are overdoing it. They're, you know, quote unquote, throwing the baby out with the bathwater to use a, an idiom. You know, they're, they see these traditions and they're saying like, well, it's tradition that's the problem, motherfucker. It, you know, let's throw out tradition and we'll just all do what we want. But it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like there is value to tradition. It's just, you know, if tradition is the only thing you have, it can get fucked up or whatever. So I, I hear you on that. But if you get stuck being a person who's defending tradition or the traditional thought, then uh, you do get caught up in those arguments and you lose track of what you're even, why you even started defending that side anyway. And I think it's better if you just, if your goal is to articulate the truth of the situation, then if you're a contrarian, you're a contrarian. If you're a Republican, you're a Republican. If you're a Democrat, you're a Democrat. It doesn't fucking matter. You're just saying what the truth is at the moment. You see what I'm saying? And if people say like, it's like Ramana Maharshi. He said, uh, I stopped eating and they said I was fasting. You know, uh, fucking I stopped talking. They said I was meditating or some shit like that, where it's like people are always going to say something about something. But if your goal is to articulate the truth, you can never get lost in the logistics of the argument because all you're trying to do is articulate the truth.
Does that make any sense? Yeah. So in this situation, yeah. and the truth yeah. is, so yeah. what's the truth to you? Uh, the real truth about all this shit, all this like race shit, gender shit, all this stuff, is that like, I think it's just so stupid. Like just, just the the. Not to say that there isn't truth to a lot of these conversations, but I I am just sort of over it. I've always been over it. I've always been like, can we just not? Uh, we're st- we just have to keep doing this again. We got to talk about like all this crazy shit. It's like, why don't we just treat people individually? If I like you as a person, I like you as a person. Why the fuck do we have to complicate it with? Well, no, I'm a fucking this, so I have to do this thing and I have to do that thing, and it just bums me out, man. And I tend to get caught in the contrarian thing because it's almost like I'm trying to balance plates, yes. you know, uh-huh. where, I'm, where I'm like, fuck. And it's like, a very noble right, cause. Like, I have to say it's a very noble cause because you're essentially you're risking your own personal image by saying, I know I'm going to look bad by saying this, but everyone else seems to be saying the other thing. And I know that it could be true that the other thing is true. So like somebody needs to say it and I'm going to say it. So it's a very like commendable cause. But at the same time. You can get lost. I think I fall into the same trap where I get angry at people, though, and then I'm just doing it for the wrong reason, which is why a lot of the times I'm just trying to more recently kind of like pull back a little bit because, you know, it gets tiring. I mean, I feel like we talk about social issues on here way too often. Like there's always some like Black Lives Matter story that we bring up and I'm I don't want to be angry. I just want to talk about. I just want to talk about the fun things that are happening in my life. Fucking trying to get a million (laughs) dollars microdosing. Going going to Salvation Army after microdosing yeah, but dude, and noticing that then somebody we turn into the grandparents that we made this podcast as a reaction against the grandparents where we only heard the heard the good stories and we only heard about when they met you know the senator of their state or whatever and that's the only story they tell and they they tell it every time we gotta we gotta well, just I, put it all out there man well I, I don't just mean on the podcast I just mean I mean in general I, that's like what you know I what I mean, mean too. like. I, yeah, I, I well, that's the thing is, I guess the the anger and the frustration comes from the desire to just be able to do that all the time, kind of. Mm-hmm. Of like, can't we just fucking hang out? It always has to be some shit about something crazy, and everybody's upset all the time. I have trouble getting upset about a lot of shit, man. Even stuff that I should get upset about, like <laughs> as if you, you know, should like get every- upset about anything. That's true. Yeah, exactly. But like, I, I, that's the thing. I don't get upset about a lot. And I look at other people getting upset and I go like, am I the crazy one? And then I'm like, well, no, cause I'm, I'm just not, I'm not really that angry about this stuff. I'm not as angry as I even sound like some, a lot of the times I'm sure I sound angry sometimes, but like on here or maybe not, but I'm not like, I, who cares? You know, like for me, like everyone was really sad when Prince died. That didn't bother me. I mean, you know, I, and I tried to think of like maybe if a celebrity I really love dies, like maybe if Stevie Wonder dies, I'll finally feel something. But honestly, people fucking die, and it's not really a bad thing. Yeah. So like it doesn't it doesn't really upset me. You know what I mean? And yeah. all this other shit doesn't really upset me. I feel like the world is awesome, and it's only getting better. You know, right now, or is that generally how you feel? I think generally, I think, I think right now it's getting better too. I think that we're just inundated with a lot of negative stuff all the time because that's kind of what sells drama sells. So where does the anxiety come from? My personal anxiety. Well, you can, you can Um, call it my personal anxiety, but I'm asking where the anxiety comes from. I think the anxiety comes from, uh, it's almost like, it's almost like, uh, I'm okay with everybody else around. Like, like, I'm okay with, I don't know how to say it. I'm really good at 
keeping people calm when I'm in a group, but like if I'm by myself, that's when the anxiety comes. It really, I think it just is like a, a, a thing of like, um, it's almost like it's, I'm confusing what I'm actually in control with, I think is the big, the big issue. Uh, a lot of the times where, where I'm like, uh, when I see the rest of the world being crazy and out of control, I'm like, oh yeah, well the rest of the world is out of crazy and out of control. But there's a part of me that feels like I am a little bit in control of the things I'm doing. Like I'm almost like attaching uh, identification with like the actions that are taking place with who I am. So that's where the anxiety comes from because it's there. It's, it's too close almost. Yeah. I hear that. I think that's what it is. The way that I would word it is that I forget who I am. That's always what it is. When I forget who I am, and the only reason I word it that way is from when uh, uh, it's it's rooted in two two experiences. One is when I was tripping, and that's a personal experience of me feeling like, oh, this is who I am. That's right. That's right. That's right. This is who I am. I am this <laughs> this thing that I'm experiencing right now. And the only way that I can ex- that explain, because um, I spend a lot of time when I find this thing, because when I trip hard, I, I find this thing and I say, that's right, this is what it feels like, this is who I am, and, and what can I take back with me? And that's always, at a certain point in my trip, that's the goal. And I have to find, like one time I texted Seamus at like two in the morning, and it was, I texted him like, uh, one, two, four, something, 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 blah, blah, blah. Because, and I knew he wouldn't get it, it was just a kind of a, a, com- a communication exercise where I, I wanted him to see like, this is what, these are the thoughts that happen in my head sometimes, right? And one, two, four refers to, uh, I was tripping and I real and I felt like uh, this very ancient thing that was just inside this new human body that twenty years had passed and I had just forgot that it it this twenty three year old isn't actually me. It's just it seems that way because I've been in this thing for twenty three years and like. When I'm when I watch a movie for two hours, I get lost in the movie. So twenty three years, like of course I would get lost in this thing. Um, but anyway, so one two four refers to if you stick to thoughts that naturally um, create. So if you think, um, I'm trying to think of what a what one example of one of those thoughts, like breathing in deeply, is one of those one two four type of thoughts. Because if you just focus on just filling your air, your lungs with air from your belly and pushing it all out and then breathing it all in. If, if you just focus on that, that's the one thought, but it makes, it becomes two in the sense that breathing in a lot of oxygen and expelling a lot of carbon dioxide is very good for your body. That's why exercise, one of the reasons cardiovascular exercise is good for you. It, it, it makes this, your metabolism kick up, you know, you start processing things and healing your body and shit like that. Um, so if you, if you simply focus on one thought and that's filling your lungs and emptying them and filling your lungs and emptying them, you create two, this layer, this other layer of, of things that you didn't even, you're not even doing that, but yet at the same time you did it, if that makes any sense. And those, if you are clever enough in the thought that you focus on, it can create this next layer of thought where that you're, you're thinking one thought, it made two wonderful benefits. And now those two benefits make four of its own benefits that you are also not doing because you're still focusing on just filling your lungs and emptying them, right? 
So it's uh, I got lost somewhere along there, but the idea that I'm trying to say is when I forget that that's who I am, that I'm this being that if I really focus hard and I control the thoughts that I have, I can create any kind of reality for myself that I want. That is a true statement. If you're clever enough and careful enough about your thoughts and how you manage them and, and your actions and how you manage them, and I mean this, you know, any millionaire in the world who, or any successful person has had to be careful and be disciplined and think hard and, you know, do the work. That's all I'm talking about. But that's who you are is you're capable of being careful and making good decisions, et cetera, et cetera, and creating beauty and, and bliss in your world. And all, all of the sources of my fears and anxieties and any negative feeling the root of all of those is that I forget that that is who I am, that I am actually the thing that is capable of of making beauty of in the world. You know, I'm capable of anything that I really set my mind to. And if you forget that, of course the world feels crazy because you forget that you can do anything you want and instantly everything feels like too much because you forgot that you can do anything. So if you forget you can do anything, Anything else seems like, oh, God, like, I don't know if I can do that. Oh, Jesus, oh, I, this seems like too much. All of those thoughts come when you don't allow for yourself that you can do anything if you're clever and careful enough. So that's how I would word it, is that I forget who I am. And it happens, yeah. it happens so fast, man. That's the trick about it. You have to constantly, const like right now, who is this person speaking? That's not me. That's like a result of me. I am the one who is listening to this thing that is speaking right now. And you sound crazy when you do it, so don't talk to people about it so much when you do it, but talk to yourself. Hear yourself in your own head because the thing that's talking in your head, there's there's a part of you at least that's listening, right? You're still listening to, to the voice in your head. So when you hear the voice in your head saying, Why, you know, I, I have to wash the dishes, I have to do this, and uh, let me drink some water because I'm thirsty. Oh, man, I, there's a pain in my leg. That you're, some, Something is listening to that voice. If you focus on the part of you that's listening to the voice, that is closer to who you actually are than the thing that's talking. And that's one of the tricks. But, yeah, when you forget who you are, suffering, it's bound to come. Because who you are is this crazy thing that most people just take for granted. They... It, it's like Muji calls the, uh, the the greatest assumption or something. People just assume, oh, I know who I am. I like Pop-Tarts. I like Game of Thrones. That's my jam. I've read the Harry Potter books and I have a tattoo on my leg. That's who I am. It's like, who the, who the fuck are we, man? It always boils down to that to me. Yeah, and that's, I, I kind of, what I initially tried to do was kind of go back to like a childlike mindset, I guess. Because I think what happens is, um, at least it felt this way for me when I was born. I remember thinking like, man, this is crazy that I'm here. Like at a young age, like four or five, does that make mm -hmm. any sense? And I was like thinking about like, hmm, damn. So I must've just been doing something a second ago before I got here. You know what I mean? It feels like, what the fuck was that all about? And there was this weird, like, uh, I don't know, contentment with every sort of scenario and situation that would come up. Like everything was new and you'd be like, oh shit, look at this. Stairs? <laughs> How the fuck do I do this? Yeah, and then go the next staircase stairs. would be like, oh, these are stairs, but they look different than the other ones. I don't know if I can yeah, do these yeah. ones. And and when I was, I did, an, I did another microdose uh, 
again the other day and allegedly when I, at the end of the night allegedly <laughs> and at the end of the night it was like uh i was like man i want to be quiet i have a desire to just kind of sit and look at shit and it was a really nice night it was kind of cool it was drizzling occasionally like spitting and it was like perfect night to just sit in the park for like two hours at a, like a, like nine or nine to nine to ten or nine to eleven i don't remember oh nine eleven <gasps> uh but uh but uh, it felt it felt like oh yeah ah, I forgot it about felt like that. home didn't it that's yep. what I always say it man. did it, it, it at, when I trip it feels like home it feels like oh yeah that's right this has always been here I remember when I used to have these types of experiences all the time and the only reason I don't these days is that I get stuck in these certain very specific trains of thought you know for example right as a kid. I used to look at trees, the very tops of trees, because I liked how they swayed in the breeze. And it would always astound me to look at the trunk of a tree, and it was so still. And then you look at the top, and that shit's fucking... So I would look at the tops of trees all the time. When I was in high school, I became very anxious, and I assumed a posture that was more closed, right? And so my shoulders are hunched forward, my chin is down... And I'm looking at the ground when I'm walking. And I'm thinking thoughts in my head. And I'm lost in my head looking at the ground while I'm walking. Well, there are certain thoughts that I wouldn't have looking at the ground that I would have looking up at the trees. Because just seeing the sky more often and seeing the way that the, the rhythm of the trees and being reminded that this thing is alive and yet you can't really watch it breathe or anything like that like an animal you can watch breathe a tree you have to really know that it's alive almost to appreciate the life in a tree so you don't think those kinds of things when you're looking at the concrete ground and you're walking with your head down because you're afraid of people and you know etc etc and uh i think um i forget how what why did i start talking about this I don't know, man. Trees are awesome. Trees are awesome. But the point was that you you have a you have access to a different yeah. amount of or a different type of thought depending on what you're doing. Yeah. And it's true. I was walking through the park and I was looking at. I mean, you can't really see, can't really see the stars because there are lampposts everywhere and there's a lot of light pollution. So, but you can see this big purple skyline basically. And I was like, man, I know that if all the lights turned out, we would just be on this crazy fucking thing. It seems it sounds like such a such a simple thing, but it's really the the poignancy of like, oh, okay, we're just all walking around on this weird sphere, being like, I'm a businessman, I have a business, but it's really just like, you're, hey, you guys are some animals that built these structures and you do shit in them, but there's nothing, there's nothing that exists in the world called a business. You know what I mean? Like that's not a thing that exists. That's um, just a word that we came of, up with to make the concept of a quote unquote business more convenient to talk about. Yeah, but even even then, without the stars and everything, it was still nice, man. I sat down, and I was like, you know what? It's still nice to have these lamps out. You know what's pretty cool about that is that it's dark, but I'm looking at this tree like it's not dark yes. because it's crazy. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. I've had some uh, I've had some some semi mystical experiences. We were we were talking about this in my uh, Kabbalah class one time. Uh, this was when I think I first started smoking weed and I took a Kabbalah class at, at temple. Cause I was like, what is up with Judaism? Like I have no idea. So far I hate the Jews. Any so of this shit somebody is. tell me some redeeming qualities. No, that was after the class, dude. That was after the class. <laughs> I was like, now I know now I'm onto their scheming ways. 
Uh, no, but like Judaism actually is like a, a pretty, a pretty, uh, beautiful religion in the same way that most religions are. Once you kind of crack through the, the bullshit, you know, it's, it's all the same shit. So it's not like, it's not like that crazy. It's there. They're, the weird interpretation of a lot of that stuff is very bizarre in Kabbalah. Like they talk about a lot of these, like same concepts that people in the East talk about with self-realization and all that stuff, but they label it in such a weird way that they're like, they 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 were so afraid of it that they kind of put these taboos on it. Where so basically Kabbalah is basically a lot of the same shit that yogis and gurus talk about. Where it's like self inquiry, inquiry like and, and sort of like you go to all these mystical realms and shit. Uh, but or at least that's what I think. That's what I think they're describing when they talk about these metaphors. Like they talk about the uh, what's that one story that's like a UFO comes down from the fucking. I want to say it's Elijah's uh, chariot. Eze- Ezekiel. Elijah? Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's in Ezekiel, and it's something about a chariot coming down from heaven. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 they kind of they well. So what happens is this shit was so heavy duty that a lot of the high ranking uh, rabbis at the time were like, no, no, we're gonna keep this away from the general public because if you go through these gates and you're not prepared, you go crazy. But like when they described what crazy meant, it sounds a lot like somebody who is enlightened. It sounds like a Jesus kind of crazy where they're like, yeah, dude, this guy came back and he was all about free love and he didn't give a <laughs> fuck. Or, or another guy was like, hey, I'm just going to go up into the mountains and become a recluse for the rest of my life. But the way that they interpreted it was like, oh, shit, that they're they're in, they must be insane yeah, now. Yeah. They must be in crazy. So they kind of like locked it away from other people. Well, which, that reminds me of what Sadhguru said about. I was listening to one of his talks, and Sadhguru, uh, for the record, grandkids, is your at, at this point in his life, your grandpa's favorite guru who's currently alive. I think he's the real deal. I think he's uh, a legit enlightened being. And I'm saying that on the mic for a reason, because I really believe that if there is enlightenment, I believe that Sadhguru is a modern example of that. Now, what he was talking about was the difference between Krishna and Jesus, because they're both enlightened beings. And his distinction is that Jesus was a one-track kind of enlightened being where he was the devotion path. His path was follow me, right? Listen to me, do what I do, and you'll, you'll you know, come to the way. And Krishna had, he could, whether you're a thinker, he could think you out of or think you into enlightenment. If you're a doer, he could do you into enlightenment. If you're a lover, he could love you into enlightenment, you know, that kind of thing. So Krishna was a multidimensional being. But the point about Jesus is... Um, I think one of the reasons why Jesus's teachings are so convoluted is because he had to speak in code, essentially, because there were governments and people against him. He lived as a fugitive for most of his life because of what he was talking about. So he couldn't, he literally couldn't say the word God. It was, they they wrote it as like G dot dot, you know, because it was like, you can't speak his name because... it, it's unspeakable. It's un, and that's where the the Kabbalah lesson, and you can hear the echoes of this in this culture about you can't speak it, and if you do, we're gonna fuck you up because that shit is scary and it's big and it's real, you know. And it's uh, it, when you started talking about Kabbalah, I was like, man, that is the side of Christianity that I'm missing. It's the context of Christianity. If you really, uh, if you know both of them, it makes it makes a lot of sense, you know. Uh, yeah, it really makes sense because it's it's not. It's just the problem is the interpretation yes, yeah. that came from that. The problem is just people, they they were afraid, so so it became this 
crazy thing with all these other layers on it. When in reality, I think if you were to talk to a lot of those guys, those rabbis that went through and went crazy, they would probably say a lot of the same shit Jesus did or a lot of the same shit Sadhguru said or a lot of the same shit that all of these people say because – at the end of the day, once you get to that level, you're kind of they're kind of all the same person. Yeah, uh, they're just kind of like knowledge or consciousness itself. Whatever that means. Um, whatever the fuck that means. They have they're it, man. But uh, yeah, so I do kind of feel bad a lot of the times when I catch myself making these arguments. So I'm sorry if I upset anybody. But I think people at this point know I I don't actively want to offend them. Yeah. I just I'm really concerned about balance. Yeah, and you're and sometimes yeah. I get caught in that too yeah. much. At, at the root of it is a desire to let the truth be known. And when you see that the the truth is being skewed one way, your natural inclination is to lean the other way to to bring the balance back to truth. The only issue is that with that is that you have to stand on truth, and no matter which way it's leaning in society, you can't lean. You have to just stick to what is the truth. No matter even because if you're leaning left, right, and you speak the truth exactly to somebody who's on the right, it sounds like you're speaking left. But you can't really, you know, alter the truth. I mean, you can, but I, that's kind of a, a higher game that I don't think we should be getting into at this point. But I think you have to speak the truth every time the, to the best of your ability. And that way, people on the left, people on the right, they, everyone thinks that you're speaking from the other side, right? Because you're speaking the, the, the truth, you know? Anytime someone is saying something that isn't true, they always feel like you're on the other side. And whatever side that is, it always has to be the side that you believe is true. And that way you never get caught up. It takes zero energy. I was explaining this to Jasmine the other day, how I feel about honesty and the truth. Because we have a coworker who just, he's a liar. He makes shit up all the time. And I'm not going to say his name because I still work there. But the point I was making was if you're a liar and you make lies up and you have to remember them and you know every time somebody asks you like oh what about this and yeah do you remember do you remember when we did this thing and like what what kind of thing were you using if you're a liar you have to churn your engines and get your gears going and remember like all right what 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 did i say i was doing that day what did i say i was doing how how did i say i was how do i say i was doing that and uh did i tell her that i was here or fuck did i tell and all that energy is being spent just remembering what you were supposed to say if you focus your life on just observing what's going on at the time and doing what you think is right, you, it takes almost no energy to remember what you were doing on Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday, Tuesday. Oh, that was the day that so-and-so uh, offered me some bread, but I said no. So then I went to the my desk and there was a note. Uh, no, I, I, did, I didn't have the broom because... Uh, I just went to go do this other thing at the time. You know, it, it takes no energy. It just takes you sitting back and relaxing and thinking. But it's a, it's a yeah. similar thing with like, if you just tell the truth and be honest all the time, you save yourself so much energy of like. All right. All right. Let's clear the air then. Ask, ask me some things. Ask me some things. I'll give you my, I'll give you my honest opinion on it. All right. Them. Go for it. Uh, give me your honest opinion about the reality of the wage gap. Let's keep it short too. Just, I'm not going to challenge okay. you. I'm just going to keep asking questions. Um. I think it exists. Well, I know it exists based on the numbers. Um, I don't know if it's like, uh, like if my my honest opinion on it is if you're being paid uh, different salaries simply because you're a woman, that's like that's awful. Like if you're doing the same work, you should be getting paid the same amount. But you asked me about the reality of the wage gap. I don't know. Can I just say that? Like, I, I think that there's probably 
a middle ground where some of it is actual discrimination and then others maybe just be like, well, I don't, See, I don't, you're get, I don't you're really know. You're in your head already. Oh, All no. I'm asking is, is the wage gap a thing or not? I'm not asking the source and what. Oh, it's a thing. Yeah. It's yeah. A thing, right? It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. So the next question yeah. is. Because that doesn't, because that doesn't, that you're not asking what's, why, why is it Yeah, a thing? right. Or just we have to do anything it about it. It, it exists. Yeah, it exists. Yeah, it exists. By the numbers. Yeah. By the numbers. Yeah, yeah. The next question is, do you think it's a problem that if you take the average woman and the average man on the street, that the woman gets paid less by the numbers? Is that a pro- inherently just kind of generally mm-hmm. a problem? Not thinking about American society, not thinking about genetic human beings and how we, the dynamics of man and, and woman if you pick one group of people over the other and one of them has an advantage over the other, in this case it's money and in this case it's male and female, is that a problem? I don't think that's inherently a problem. Um, yeah, I don't think that's inherently a problem. I really don't. Um, because I think like it, it doesn't necessarily spell problem for me because just having a uh, having different like access to resources doesn't really necessarily scream problem automatically. I think if if you go a little deeper and there's like a there needs to be a reason why, like I don't know I don't I don't know if that's inherently a problem, which I guess is another thing I was getting caught up on when we were actually talking about it before right. in whatever episode, because I. I no, I don't think that's inherently okay. a problem. No. Cool. What if in this situation that we'll say that men and women, the difference is by the numbers, pure numbers, raw numbers, that men have a, an advantage when it comes to money. What if I said that the society that these human beings lived in, where the men had an advantage with money, was a money-driven society? Would that be a problem then? Uh, and again, I'm not talking about America. If it was purely, if I'm it, not talking about America in the 21st century. I'm talking about any society anywhere on, in human history, even on the planet, anywhere. It's a money basis. No, no, I, I don't, I don't know if I can say that. I think that's inherently a problem still. Just, uh, just because it, it doesn't. It's almost like the way I see it. It's sort of like there can be a. Uh, there could be like a really great monarchy or a really great system. It's all about how the people act within the system. So like, I'm not necessarily, I, I couldn't say that that's inherently a problem either. All right. Okay. Yeah. What is your stance on God at this point in your life? It's interview um, shame. It's time. What is my stance on God? <laughs> uh, um, I don't know if I can put it into words necessarily. What is my stance on God? God exists in a really crazy way where it's almost like uh, on one level, everybody is God, but on another level, you can also pray to God. (laughs) There's, there's like a, a, a whole bunch of levels there. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with where you're coming from or where you're looking at it. Um, like you can pray to a god and things might happen, but you could also be like, "I am God," and things might happen. You know, similar things might happen. I guess. I guess what I'm saying is, I think that God, uh, the term God for me, sort of just expresses reality and whatever is behind that, whatever came before the Big Bang. You know what I mean? Whatever came before existence. What is that? And to me, that 
and, and everything that came afterwards, I guess, is sort of a, a small part of it. It's almost like even though our thoughts and our egos are uh, things that are on one, le- one level not God, they are also a subset of the functions of God, if that makes any sense, because it's like part of the like everything that exists. There's nothing that there's nothing that I could say isn't God. All right. Good answer. Uh, so who you are. Right. Whatever that means to you. What do you think are your actual influences? Like, what can you actually do or not do? And how do you explain all of the actions that you've ever performed in your life and all the things where you said, oh, I am, you know, going to school and I'm nervous about it and et cetera. Who are you in that situation? And uh, how do you explain the rest of it, I guess, is the, uh, the question. Damn, that's a heavy fucking question, man. <laughs> are you are you asking me because you think I know? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just asking you to just answer from the hip. Who do you think you are in the midst of your whole life? What what do you think you can actually do and influence in your life? Like, what do you actually believe you have control over? Uh, essentially, is what I'm asking. Well, you know, as a kid, I always it always bothered me uh, because I would think about when I when I refer to myself as I and the experiences that I'm having and all these sort of things that sort of seem specific to me. But I I would think that um, it's probably the same feeling for everybody else. I w- I always wondered that I was like, is it the same I for everybody? Is everybody the same? Is it the same force basically? Like that's like is there really like no? I guess I guess there there's no specific it feels like there's no specific personality and that that's sort of a fear too with with God in general is that you sort of have to delete yourself or what you think you are to become what you are and that's kind of a daunting task man cuz what if there's nothing there and that scares it's like a it's like a if you're telling a robot he's about to get deleted or something and you're like ah oh, fuck will I dream Will I dream what as do you God? Think in control of because right now, let's say I say, Seamus, raise your right hand. Can you do that? Raise your right hand. Now, did you do that? Not too high. Not too high. Don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> as long as it's above shoulder height, I think you're fine. <laughs> now, did you do that? Did you uh, raise your hand? Uh, yeah, I you did. You did that. So uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's weird, man. Like sometimes I'll go through periods where I'm not identifying with my body, and then I guess there's times that I forget, and it feels like I got a sweet taste, a sweet taste of it, where like when I was when I fell and cut my hand, and I was like laughing in the ER because it didn't bother me because I was like, oh, it's just my fucking hand. You could chop this motherfucker off if you want. I don't care. <laughs> and I and I really felt that way, and it felt very secure and very like, eh. yeah. Fuck it. Seriously. It hurts, but like it's just my hand. But but now I've kind of I feel like I've sort of forgotten that or kind of gone back. I, I don't know. I had a point where I was kind of scared because it started to get to the point where I was like uh it felt like I was like right on the brink of something, and instead of going over it, I went back. I reverted to like believing in like, oh shit, what if this is all bullshit? And then you kind of just go right back to like, it's safer to, to, to be a person with problems and shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Or it feels that way. And, uh, but every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll have moments where I slip out of it. I, I'm sure everybody does. I know everybody does. I know it. <laughs> but to be clear, what do you think you have control over with your body, with your mind, with your life, the direction it's going? What do you feel like you have control over as you who's in Seamus Malar, the, the Seamus Malarness, you know? 
that person who's inside of the Seamus Millar's body, controlling it and everything, who just raised his hand. That thing that raised the, the hand of the body, what, what are you actually in control of? Not sure, man. A lot of the times I feel like uh, I'm not in control of a lot of it in the, in the, in the way that it's almost like it feels, it feels predestined to me. Uh, and I know that a lot of like gurus and people have said like, well, it, it, it's not, it's not, but it feels that way from where I'm sitting. It still kind of feels like everything I'm doing is sort of meant to be done so that I can get something, get something out of it. <laughs> it feels like I'm getting something out. Like I'm going through like, Oh no, this is supposed to happen. Cause I'm supposed to like collect this experience or something. I don't know. So it, it, a lot of ways it doesn't feel like I'm in control. I don't feel in control. And I think a, a lot of people don't feel in control either. But you said you raised your hand. So you're in control of your arm at least. Right. Can we agree with that? You can, you can make your arm go up and down. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You just yeah. Did it. I mean, it it feel it feels like I, it feels like I am, but it don't. It, to me, it seems like uh, I was always gonna raise my because arm. I was like, always there, gonna say, "Can you do that for me?" And you would do it, right? Because that's who you are as a person in that moment. Is that you are the person who, if I ask you to raise your arm, you'd raise your arm. That's the conundrum, yeah. dog. That is the that is the thing where uh, our our boy Jeff and I shout out to Jeff uh, that we would talk for hours man and he he was coming at it from a neurological perspective and i was mostly coming out of it from an experiential perspective i guess like i'd experienced things where i was like the, the shit that people tell me just makes no fucking sense if you like my mom would talk to me and she would lecture me for hours and i would get to the point where i was like man i really don't give a fuck what she's saying anymore because i don't agree with it i, I can see where this train of thought is going and I, I didn't agree with it in the beginning, so why am I going to listen to the rest of this? And I would just listen to her voice as like a sound, and I would try to keep perfectly still and not move my eyes. And I would notice that my whole field of vision would go white if I was able to keep perfectly still. And I would do that while she was lecturing me. And if I moved a little bit, suddenly the world would snap back into focus, and I would be like, oh, fuck, fuck, I, I, I moved. And I would play that game with myself uh, as a kid. So... I just had this feeling that like people were just constantly lying to me. Does that make any sense? And I have this deep paranoia in myself trusting other people uh, at a fundamental level. You know, with like, I can trust people to, to how I know people to be. But when I mean trusting people to, to behave in the way that I understand people could behave based on my own experience in my own head and my own consciousness, the, the things that I have seen are possible. I can't trust other people to behave that way because I've never seen it in anyone, period. I've only heard about it by other people telling me about it on the internet and, you know, lectures and books, you know. I've never actually seen this type of shit in person, but I've seen the possibility of it in myself. And the frustration, first of all, is to manifest that behavior in myself, but also that it just begs the question. So then you say, well, I can't, I can't just behave the way that I know I can because nobody else is going to get it. Nobody else is, I can't trust anyone else to do this. 
But then you accept these limitations of, well, what does that mean? Now you have to behave in these certain ways to be appropriate. And that dictates your behavior. It means you're never going to do anything too crazy because, like, you know, people generally don't act crazy. And anything that might seem too crazy is automatically off the list. And then you start to narrow your choices, narrow your choices to the point where your best friend says, raise your arm in the air, and you raise your arm in the air no matter what the fuck is going on in your life. And is that really your choice? That is the big question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. it doesn't feel like it. It, uh, it. it does. It's almost like it feels like on one level we have an illusion of choice, I guess, as far as like the small. Act. I don't know. I know that we can control the way that we react to shit. I do feel that. I feel that way, but I'm not sure if it's my choice. Again, it's the same kind of loop that everything that I say will come back to this. And I don't, I don't really know. I don't know one way or the other, to be honest with you. I wish I did. I wish I knew how much control I actually had. I'm sure that would fucking calm me down a lot. <laughs> or freak you out. I, I don't know. I think, that, I think that you said something to me the other day that really um, I've been thinking about for a couple days now, where you said, you said something to me like... Uh, I was talking about a teacher of mine that I had in college and this experience she had with me where she made some like out out of pocket prediction about the rest of my life, basically. And uh, like she said, she saw a halo around my head and that I was going to be famous like Brad Pitt. She said this in front of people, though, like people sitting like in my class and they were all like, oh, my God, they were all looking at me like I was some kind of fucking celebrity. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa I have not done anything yet. Like I'm just sitting in this room. And uh, why did I bring that up? Oh, because you said to me that, because I, I said, but I could also see that maybe maybe she is tapped into something, and I feel like she's a very uh, intense person to be around. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it's almost like um, when you're around this person, you will grow or act in a certain way to try and be like, I don't know. I kind of wanted to when I was around her, I always wanted to be like, hey, I want to please you because you're a real cool person. You yeah. know what I mean? You seem like somebody who deserves my attention, um, and. Uh, and you said to me that you feel similar, and I wasn't sure if you're talking specifically about me, but you said that you're like, I think, I think you're definitely tapped into something too, but there's a lot of static that causes the anxiety. And I think that's the case. So I think if I actually had the answers and not just beliefs or like, oh, maybe is it? I don't know. Like if I actually were, were to know these things, I feel like there'd be a lot less anxiety. It wouldn't, it wouldn't exist. There would be no room for it. So grandkids, is your uncle, Uncle Grandpa Seamus, uh, is he still crazy? Or is he like totally chilled out? Let us know. I, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm going to definitely clench my butthole on my deathbed. <laughs> bring that, You're bring welcome. that, uh, that's You're what welcome. Adam told me to do. He said, he's, he said that brings the spirit up or something. I don't know what he said. It he said it brings energy, my chakras. See, oh God. <laughs> Oh God! I, uh, I hope that's, that's what it is. I hope it's not that's some the next, creepy Adam conversation. Yeah, he was like, "Clench your butthole! Don't tell anybody I told you." <laughs> 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 well, this has been conversations for our grandkids. Uh, I think, right? Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. If I knew for sure, I would, <laughs> I would be so nervous about it. <laughs> oh God, damn it! But yeah, 
Let me know. Let me know if I'm sexist. Yeah, Am I crazy? Is, is Am Seamus, I sexist? Uh, Uncle Grandpa Shame is still a bigot. Let us know. Uh, also, hit us up on our Twitter. It's Convo4Grandkids. Leave us a comment on CandyMunchers.com. And uh, check us out on Facebook. It's uh, Conversations for Our Grandkids. Uh, you can reach us at all those places. Give us suggestions. That was interview with Seamus time. Uh, I asked him questions that I personally like to ask Seamus from time to time. But I would really appreciate it. And I think it'd be cool if the people who listen to the show would just give us one or two questions or 10 or 12 that they want to know about us and we can answer them on the mic. I think that'd be a fun game. I'll clear the air. I won't goof all the time. I goof a Shane's lot. James goofs a lot. I goof a lot. I mean, he may goof first answering the question because he's a he's, he's a goof. He's got to do I tried it. to answer them seriously no, no, yeah, this time. You did great. Yeah, but yeah. he will answer it seriously. Thank you. He's making great. that promise. <laughs> <laughs> there will be a serious answer at some point, even if the beginning is a goof. That's the, uh, that's the point. So I think that'd be a, yeah. f- a cool game. Uh, any question you want, no matter what the category is, I think that'd be a that'd be a fun game. So let's do that. Anybody listening, just send us some questions. It doesn't matter whether it's a Twitter, Facebook, CandyMunchers.com. Although I, personally, I prefer that because if we could track all of our uh, like internet traffic to CandyMunchers.com, there'd be that would make it easy for us to know like who's actually listening and like we you know how we can best address our our audience or whatatever you know because we could actually have. Uh, reliable data. So CandyMunchers.com is like the headquarters for us at this point on the internet. At A underscore cool <laughs> underscore million. I'm trying to make these millions, yeah, yo. and there's a GoFundMe for a millionaire boy. We need to get this dude a million or his father's going to disown him. It's a, kind of a sad uh, story. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he'll only, he said he'll only love me if I uh, raise a million dollars in 2016. So <laughs> it's getting close. It's getting close. <laughs> Uh, all right, I feel yeah, better. Me too.